Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah is brought to you by the newly released Basics Collection from Highly Clutch T-Shirts. Guys, these are some of the absolute best t-shirts on the planet, and the best part is that they're much more affordable than the competition. You can purchase the individual t-shirts for $15.99, but that'd be silly because you can buy three packs and five packs of different colors for a whole lot cheaper. I'm personally a fan of their Heathered Hoodie Collection. Living in Northern California, the weather changes on you in an instant. If the city of San Francisco were to have a statue made for it, it would be of a guy running home because he forgot to grab his hoodie. They have a bunch of these super lightweight and super versatile hoodies in a wide array of colors from bay blue to cardinal red. You're definitely going to want to pick up a few of these. I love them, and you will too. Go to HighlyClutch.com and click on the Basics tab at the top of the page to shop the collection. And now, back to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, The Entourage Podcast. What are you doing, Vince? I can't sleep. Why not? I think we should fire Ari. You know, I had a dream this morning that I was going to be doing a podcast about the episode of Entourage where Ari gets fired. Welcome back, everybody, to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast. My name is J.R. Hickey. I'm a comedian and writer from San Francisco, and I am your host. Every Monday morning, we break down a new episode of the acclaimed HBO dramedy Entourage, and we are on the season 3A finale today. Sorry, Ari. My guest this week is the co-founder of BroBible.com. He was the first guest I ever had on the podcast way back in December when I broke down the pilot episode of Entourage. Brandon and I recorded late on a Thursday night. It got pretty deep. We got a little rambly. It was a little bit like two stoners, you know, going a little off topic every once in a while. This is a bigger episode in terms of length than you might be normally used to. We talked about the famous writer strike back in 2006, the introduction of YouTube, Hollywood agencies, Nash Bridges, Blackberries, and press junkets for film releases. It was a lot of fun. Brandon's a good friend. He's been a big supporter of the podcast in the beginning, and I'm looking forward to continuing working with him and Bro Bible for the upcoming seasons of the show. Medium-sized programming note. Normally, I take a break in between seasons to have special episodes. Since this is more of a mini break in between seasons 3A and 3B, we're going to take a quick one-week break from the serialized Entourage content to bring you a special episode. And this special episode is going to involve you, the listener of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah. I did a lot of messages on Instagram, on Twitter, at Oh Yeah Pod on both of those platforms. People who just want to talk about Entourage, ask me questions, give me tips, suggestions, or bitch at me about missing someone's cameo or misremembering a moment from the show. So I I love it. You guys are passionate fans, and I want to get you involved. So next week's episode is going to be in the style of a call-in radio show. So if you have something you want to talk about, whether it's Entourage, whether it's the podcast, whether it's something you just want to ask me, JR, the host, let's do it. So next Monday, we're going to have a special call-in episode of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast. Now, since this isn't 1996, I'm not going to set up a phone number for everyone to dial in and leave voicemails. Here's how we're going to do this. The first thing you have to do is go on Instagram and follow the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah Instagram account at Oh Yeah Pod. And how we are going to play people's messages over the podcast is you are going to leave me a voice memo in the DMs. So how you do that is you go to your messaging app, you send me a message, and as you send me a message, instead of typing what you want to say, there's a little microphone. You hold that microphone in your Instagram app and you can record any question that you have for me. You have until Wednesday of this week. This episode is dropping Monday morning, so you have three full days to send me a message. I will not identify anybody's Instagram handles on the podcast. I will use first names only 
to respond to people, and we'll see what comes of it. This could be a complete disaster, or I could get a bunch of audio DMs from people telling me to shut the fuck up and get back to the serialized content. And that's what we'll do. One week later, we'll be back on it with the Season 3B premiere. I just want to give this a try. I want to get you guys more involved, and I want to see if we can make some cool content from it. So DM me at OhYeahPod. Leave me an audio note, and hopefully, if it's a good enough question, you'll make it to the podcast next week. Once again, thank you to everyone that's subscribed, listened, downloaded, left five-star reviews. Those five-star reviews have been super positive and super uplifting. If you are a listener and you're enjoying the podcast, please take a minute to go in there, leave a five-star review on iTunes, maybe write something nice if you're so inclined. Lots of cool stuff planned for the last half of Season 3, and then we're going to just dive right back into Season 4. I'm loving this show, guys. I'm loving how much everyone else is loving it. And we've got some big things on the horizon that I, that I can't wait to have you guys here. I won't ramble any longer. Let's dive into it. Season 3A, Episode 12, Sorry Ari, with Brandon Wennard. Okay, everyone, we are back. He was the first guest I ever had on Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah. Joining me once again is the co-founder of BroBible.com. He's a live music lover, but most importantly, he's an Entourage fan. Brandon Wennard, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, hey, I'm so happy to be back, JR. What a little, what a cool little thing you're building here, man. Hey, man, a lot of that thanks goes to you, giving me an opportunity here, partnering with BroBible. It's been an incredible partnership so far, and looking forward to continuing it with you. Yeah, I've absolutely, absolutely loved tuning in this, especially in season three. Um, you know, Jacques last week was incredible. <laughs> if you haven't listened to that, listeners, please go absolutely. back and listen to the episode before this because it was so, so good. We've had a hot streak of deaths. Like not to, you know, I'm not trying to sh- talk shit about any other deaths, but like the last three or four deaths we've had have, have come, have brought it to the podcast. So I'm hoping you're uh, you're going to bring it tonight. I'm. Brandon. I'm going to do my very best to try. <laughs> I uh, I saw Vampire Weekend at the Hollywood Bowl last night, and uh, was feeling pretty rough this morning. After been that, been there, been there, man. <laughs> so I am I am fully powering my way through all this. Well, I appreciate it. The listeners appreciate it. Before we dive in, you know, I usually ask the guests like, "What's your experience with Entourage?" We've we've covered all that. Here's a question for you that I don't think you answered last time you were on. Uh, what's your favorite season of Entourage? Oh, um, it's absolutely season three. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one that we're currently in is a, is a thousand percent my favorite season because I think it, I think that it's really, I think the idea of like making it and like breaking through in Hollywood is, um, like it's cool. And, you know, we see what that looks, what those moves look like in, in season one and two. Yep. Um, I think though establishing like staying on top and like being true to who you are, but also like um, having all of these different managerial things kind of fall around you is is more fascinating in a lot of ways. That's true. There's a bit of like he's famous now, but can he maintain that fame? Yeah, exactly. It's like a has the head that wears the crown type of thing. Definitely. Awesome. Well, let's uh let's talk about the season three A finale. Episode twelve is entitled "Sorry Ari." As mentioned, it's the three A finale due to the writer strike that took place back in two thousand and six. Season three B picked up once again in April of two thousand and seven. So, in real time, people had to wait not eight months, almost nine months, until the the season returned. So, how crazy is it that there was a writer strike? Do you remember the writer strike? <laughs> I do remember it in terms of like what happened to my shows. Yeah. 
you might have a better idea because you were working in media. And were you working in media then? Oh, in 2006? Uh, I was at the very end of my college career. Okay, cool. I remember how it affected my. Sh- I remember how watch it affected like shows that I would watch that were like dailies every day. Like yep. Daily show, yep. uh, late night TV, and everything like that. Really, really vividly. Um, and and it's bananas to think of that in today's like climate. Um, something like that could ever happen. <laughs> it it just doesn't. I mean, that's that's a good like if we're talking categories already. That's like a thing that wouldn't happen in 2019. There's because there is just a deluge, tidal waves of new content coming over the bow every single day. Yeah, it wouldn't even it wouldn't happen. Like I, it's funny because like you know I remember very vividly when I was uh, in college, like at my apartment, my roommate and I, we were like. We were like really avid weeknight, like late night TV people. And I think it was uh, Conan where they they started. This is like Conan when he was at the 1230 slot. Um, yeah, when he was at his best. Yeah, at his best. Exactly. <laughs> um, when where I think they like started, um, they, they actually on the day that the strike was announced, they had already like started filming. So all the writers had to um, actually like basically write it up, like write through whatever. But while they were um, airing the strike went into effect and there was like all this stuff that didn't happen in the show Um, and it still made it to air, which is bananas. Uh, and they were just like, they're like, uh, we don't know what's going on. Like, well, like it was the most phoned in like episode of TV. Incredible. And I like really love those little moments. I feel like it doesn't exist in our kind of polished, um, media environment these days, but like it was wild to watch live. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, it, it's kind of the foreshadowing is like five years later, you know, Conan's on the tonight show and basically gets fired, yes. but still has, what was it like three months left on his contract or something? And he just like completely phoned in and turned it into like a, a reoccurring bit essentially. Exactly. It was, uh, what a, what a fascinating time. Totally. Well, let's talk about that, that period of time. This episode aired on August 27th, 2006, a couple weeks later, Google, the search engine bought a little video streaming service site called YouTube for $1.6 billion. At the time, it was an eye-popping figure to pay for a startup that was only a little over a year old. Mark Cuban at the time said that Google was crazy to take down all of YouTube's legal liabilities. Google itself even acknowledged that YouTube wasn't worth anywhere near the price tag at the time of the acquisition. Fast forward to now, <laughs> and Google is <laughs> has over $5 billion in estimated revenue every single year, and that's primarily due to the ads that they sell on their platform against their search results, as you well know. Brandon. Yeah, very much so. And that's my world hardcore. The the fascinating I have heard wild things though about how like, you know, it took like 10 years for YouTube to ever start turning a profit because the like so much technology like hardware technology had to be developed to um essentially host videos in the in the capacity that you know YouTube um, was able to do. And uh, the cost with that was so insane. And there was like basically no amount of pre-roll advertising that like you could you could you could do it was until it reached a tipping point. So it took like 
10 years for YouTube to ever turn a profit. Now it, now that it has, it's like a, you know, multi-billion dollar uh, revenue stream, obviously. But like, what a crazy vision to think of, you know? <laughs> and famously, do you know this little bit of trivia? Like the two, you know, viral, virals in quotes, like two viral videos or clips that kind of launched YouTube? What they're, the one that I really remember is the Childish Gambino one. Oh, interesting. No, it's not childish. What are, what are you thinking of? It's two things. It is the Lazy Sunday SNL stit with Andy Samberg and Chris Parnell. Um, and then it is the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake, Super Bowl uh, mishap. Oh, of course. <laughs> that, of course, that's why Google was why why YouTube <laughs> exploded the way that it does. Someone just wanted to see a naked titty. That's what it was. <laughs> it always comes back to porn. It's it really does. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's talk about this episode. Do a quick recap for those who may not have seen the episode recently. So screwing him out of the Ramones project was the final straw, and Vince is ready to fire Ari. Ari sets out on a mad scramble to get Vince back on the punk rock pitch. Lloyd uses his connections in the Day Assistance Corp to learn Vince is taking meetings, information that sends Ari into overdrive. Dana Gordon tells Ari off the record that Warners hasn't officially bought the Ramones script from Bob Ryan yet, and not only that, but her boss is planning on shelving the film. He's only interested in buying it to spite Vince. Ari promises to get her on the project while protecting her as his informant. He drives straight to Bob's house to play his new cards, but he's forced to reveal his source. After mulling it over, Bob decides to trust his instincts and officially sells the project to Warners. This screws over Dana Gordon, getting her fired. After dodging him all day, Ari invites Vince into the office, but instead of apologizing for screwing up the Ramones pit, Ari and his agency gave Vince the same generic presentation as every other shop in town. Eric delivers the news. Ari Gold is fired. Brandon, what was your favorite moment from this episode? My, I mean, you know, I think that this episode doesn't really have, to be honest, compared to other Entourage episodes, that one moment where you're like, mm-hmm. where you're like really blown away by everything. It's it's obviously like a bunch of sequences that are sure. incredible. And the thing to me that is that it, it was just absolutely, I think, was hilarious. And building up to building up to to the kind of punchline, I guess you could almost say, was the reoccurring going into every agency and uh, Mercedes, Coke, <laughs> Apple, <laughs> Microsoft, Vincent, and, and then yeah. and then Ari, um, in such a way has his head up his ass so much that he does the exact same thing that they, um, you know, loathe. Yeah, honestly, it's. It's true. There aren't any iconic moments from this episode, probably outside of the last moment that I just discussed. And that is my favorite moment as well. It's weirdly very earnest in between Vince and Ari. All right. I didn't need the whole dog and pony show. I really thought you were different from everyone else. Vince, I am. Ari, you do things your own way and you don't give a shit what we think about it. I do give a shit. You should have seen me today, begging and pleading, trying to get you that movie back, but it's gone. The past is the past. Let's look to the future. You're unreal. I mean, even after you fuck up like this, you can't even muster the strength to just, as my friend, look me in the face and say, I'm sorry. That's all you wanted. That's all I wanted. Then I'm sorry, Vin. It's too late. Vince. Ari. You're fired. Let's roll. What's funny is when you rewatch that scene, uh, Kevin Connolly, a.k.a. E, just has to stand there stone-faced while Vince and uh, 
Ari go back and forth, and it's really interesting. It's really like subtle acting on uh, Tevin Connolly's part, because he's staring down Ari slash Jeremy Piven while also like listening to his friend and kind of reacting to it, just kind of with his eyes. And it's a really, really nice performance. However, you could see that he was getting fired from a mile away, couldn't you? Oh, of course. I mean, you know, they woke. Look, they woke up with it in their heads. You know? Yeah, and the, and the, everything. Ari's kind of Hail Mary to save uh, the Ramones project was, it was doomed from the beginning. <laughs> yes. And also, I mean, let's talk about it from, you know, like 15 years later. I remember at the time going, well, he'll be fired for like half a season. <laughs> I didn't believe it in the moment at all, right? Like, did you, would you fall for that at all? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I thought for sure it'd be just like, it, it, because because think about like that was like a common TV tr- like group yeah. at the time. It's like oh okay, we're gonna kind of write out a character, um, you know what I mean? But like two episodes later, you know he's back in like he's back in the mix. Like yeah, at the end of the day, they just wanted an agent who was real with them. Yeah. In a in a very in a world where no, but I think this episode more so than anything else in this season shows that like no a lot like it shows the kind of fake the fakeness of hollywood you know yeah um especially on the on the fakeness of the entertainment industry every week we talk about bros being bros moments you know just moments of guys being truly a group of male friends not many jumped out at me. They, you know, they play on the golf simulator for a little bit while they're like kind of mulling over their decision. Badass. That was so in the context of like the year this came out. That Truly, was so aspirational and badass. <laughs> and I think that was the first time we saw it, and they just kind of introduced it so slyly. Like it's very commonplace to do this every morning after they breakfast together. Like they just hit a few balls, which was kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it, it's, it's, and they're like kind of annoyed and busting each other's balls at it. It's, it's such a, such a cool toy. <laughs> but so my actual bros being bros moment is just the entire idea of turtle and drama and E going agency to agency and like turtle and drama, just sitting in the lobby all day while their movie star friends, like it's pitched to that's bros being bros, man. That's like, I get that like their livelihood is tied to Vince, but like, it just kind of shows. I would never do that for my friend, even if he was a movie star. I'd, I would have just stayed at home. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's your career, dude. Like you, you make these decisions for yourself. Like, um, and it, I especially, I think you know, we can get to this on down the line, but like, I think drama is absolutely incredible in this episode. Of course, like, when there's the uh, there's the moment during the golf simulator. Um, section where he like goes to his room brings up a fishbowl full of every agency card that he's ever collected while in hollywood throughout his career have i become the little guy it's just an expression vince this is every agency card any of us have been handed over the past five years you saved them all yeah like there's something weird about that come on we each pick one bro fuck it all right it's a dick let's flirt Okay, Rick Zimmerman, Intertalent. Didn't they close in like 1990? Oh yeah, that was given to me during my midnight caller recurring. It's just, it's this absurd moment where it's like, you know, people give you your card, you like throw it away or something like that. Yep. But of course, Johnny Drama had, has a catalog of these. <laughs> 
And he preemptively says to E, what? Like, that's somehow weird? Like, he knows that it's weird. He, they're all looking at him like it's weird, and he's automatically defending himself. To answer your question, though, on the bros being on, to kind of piggyback on what you're saying about bros being bros, um, I, I agree. I mean, it's the whole, and the whole episode is driven by the group chemistry. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, like, those moments where they're in between, or where or where that really shines, and the fact that they all have, I, it's, there's something really dope about that. They all have Vince's back in such a big decision, you know. Yeah. Um, with the exception of drama, drama's the one who's kind of like a little bit more cautious, and that's great because, like, you know, I think you would. I think that's the difference between your bros and your brother. If I'm yeah. deep on it, you know. Yeah. Your brother's going to shoot you straight. Your brother's going to be the devil's advocate. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's like really, I think, I think that's pretty interesting. Let's talk about our least favorite moments though. There are kind of a lot in this episode for me. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Murphy. Hey bro. Listen, I hate to cancel on such short notice, but uh, Vince isn't going to be able to make lunch. Sorry, bro. Oh my God. Hold on. Let me get Andy. Oh, you know, you don't need to do that. Just tell me he's a great big fag. All right. See ya. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't want to necessarily pinpoint one specific moment, but this episode in particular really shows you the creepiness factor of Hollywood in this era. Yeah. Um, that's kind of come to light in the last couple of years, looked like, I think. You know, whether it's it's art that's kind of a ref- reflection of reality or whatever, it's hard to not like to watch some of those in the context of, you know, today be like and be like wow like hollywood you know really really was a pretty creepy place back in the day you live in la Mm -hmm. i'm assuming hollywood isn't much less creepy it's probably different but i mean you've been in these type of pitch meetings before brandon so so shine some light onto like what type of reaction you got out of this i mean it's look it's very true to what it is you know Mm -hmm. the whole point of an agency is to is to protect the brand um if you will (laughs) like like they don't care about who who the person is essentially truly like they really don't care like vincent chase is a commodity like in in their eyes the way they make money they make their 15 to 20 percent is by selling vincent chase in all the ways possible um, a lot of dipping in my experience, a lot of a lot of the ways that I work with like agencies and big, big agencies too, um, is with Bro Bible. Um, we connect a lot of times, you know, brands with talent, and that's just kind of the digital ecosystem that that we work in. And there's a lot of back and forth in that process. And you know, look, there are times it feels very inhuman on on everything but at the same at the end of the day i think there's kind of a understanding that you know when it's somebody's job to watch after their clients back like you kind of got to respect that you know what i mean definitely and i think dud allen and you know the writers especially this episode they do a good job of you know by showing all of these meetings being exactly the same the same they're kind of highlighting the fact that they're they're pretty cookie cutter and like how Ari's a little different. He does things a little differently. He might be a little out of the box, a little unconventional, but that's ultimately what makes him such a great character and so beloved by Vince and the boys. So um, they do. They just do a good job of making like every agency like just kind of a, a faceless, nameless like group of suits at a table um, with a bunch of brands on the board. So I, I liked how the, I liked the impression it gave. Is what I'm saying. I would say one thing, and I think that you know I'm 
I'm not the authority to like really speak to this, but I think that there's, you know, hopefully down the line, there would be some really cool guests to, to speak yeah. to this is that agents. One thing that entourage I think doesn't necessarily give you a, a realistic idea of is, is how active uh, like an agent really isn't active in putting a project together, to be honest, yeah. like in the yeah. entertainment industry. At the end of the day, the agent's kind of job is to, uh, represent what the financial stakes are in that transaction, uh, putting together a piece of IP. Ari, with in this episode in particular, where Ari is like going to Warner Brothers, um, you know, to try to like backdoor this project to to that to to happen. I think that's a there's a degree of um, that being unrealistic. Essentially, like E should have been doing that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean, and not Ari. Um, Ari's concern at the end of the day should just be what you know Vince's cut looks like when all of that happens. Yeah. Had he you know really wanted to go forth, so I think there's like I think that there's a little bit of an unrealistic expectation of what the workflow really looks like in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, their jobs kind of blend together. And sometimes, you know, E, the manager is doing things that Ari, the agent should be doing and vice versa. And there's a lot of that. Um, But you're right in terms of my limited experience, you know, working with other comedians, the agent's the guy that like, you know, negotiates the contract. It's it's not this like, you know, hands-on, like full frontal assault that like Ari Gold is. But right. obviously it's television, you know? Like- exactly. Like if, if like Ari's kind of wearing the hat of like a producer, essentially, Sure. Like in in all this, and you know he's he says that I guess that's kind of his value prop to Vince in a way is that he you know is willing to go further than what like Josh Weinstein and all these other agents are like willing to do. But like you know we see that his lack of humanity is like it, that's his downfall in this. Definitely. You know? <laughs> Let's talk about some favorite lines or quotes from this episode. Uh, not a super quotable episode, sadly. Yeah. Um, outside of Ari, your fire, that's the only one that kind of stood out for me. But did any uh, jump out at you as being particularly memorable? Um, so it's not really a quote. It's more of a it's a sequence, but because I thought it was I thought it was hilarious. Um, where drama um, is listing as four categories for an agency. <laughs> Based on decor, service, amenities, and ambiance. <laughs> well, let me be your guide, Vince. Over the years, I've developed a foolproof system for judging the merits of a prospective agency. I guess you've had a lot of practice, considering how many times you've been dropped. And never officially dropped, Turtle, although one did move without telling me. So what's your system, John? I judge an agency on four categories. Decor, service, amenities, and ambiance. Give up to 10 points for each category. The agency with the highest overall score wins. I originally devised it for my visits to day spas, but it's perfectly applicable. Yeah, I'm sure there's a direct correlation between Vince's career and your anti-aging regimen. <laughs> Only Johnny Drop. Only Johnny Drop. Only Johnny. And the great thing is, like, it, it honestly, it's really good writing because oh, they, they then are able to use that for every agency that they visit. So, like, you're going back to the scale that you established, essentially. Uh, and it's it's really good like television writing. Um, some good Ari stuff in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's on the phone with Lloyd, and he does. Vince has called three times Ari. It's three times more than he called all of last year. I know he keeps calling me too, and I got an email. I didn't even know he knew how to do that. <laughs> Just like talking about Vince, like as, as if he's like this like 
he's like socially or like mentally like handicapped or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> there also is another really good, there's another really good drama line that I have to mention just Let's hear for the sake of it, which is um, where he's like, where he mentions like the underbelly and uh-huh. he goes like, there's an underbelly and drama in a very, as a very drama ism um, goes, don't be ignorant. E. There's always an underbelly. Truly. And in Hollywood, I think they're, you know, if if the news has pointed us in any direction, it's uh, it's probably true. Drama was right. Goes to show you, like, how close the entourage, like, uh, production was to the flame there. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Two more lines. Somebody fucked with us, canceled our lunch, said I called Andy a big fag. Ari. Definitely. He's cock-blocking Vin. Yeah, but how did he know? Because he's Ari and he's a dirty, sweaty scumbag. But he's good. Ari, it's E. You need to call us back now. <laughs> it's true. All episode, you see Ari being a dirty, sweaty scumbag, but ultimately making moves on behalf of Vince, which I liked. And then um, one last Ari line, he goes, Josh fucking Weinstein. I don't believe it. I'd rather Vince fuck my wife. No, Ari, no. He screams. <laughs> There's something so horrifying about some like someone saying that out loud. Ari, Ari was willing to go full cuck in that moment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. All right, let's move on to a topic that I know you'll you'll enjoy, and that's uh music. Uh, every week we talk about our favorite songs. We have a, a playlist on Spotify. The link to listen to those songs is in the show notes of today's episode. Any good songs jump out at you from this episode, Brandon? So there is one that I absolutely love. And like, this is a, um, this is like kind of a cool thing. I feel like about like being able to rewatch entourage in 2019. I watch it with via, I get HBO via, uh, Amazon. And, oh yeah. Um, so I stream everything in um, in the HBO app within Amazon, and Amazon is so good at being able to tell you like what actors are and everything like that, and what music is playing like while you're watching it, um, which is I think is like really awesome. But anyway, long story short, um, there's this song called "The Campaign" by the Libertines. Oh yeah. So it's like such a fucking like mid-aughts indie blues rock like anthem and it is so good (laughs) when is that playing i've got it written down here but i didn't write down when it is um when ari i think it's when ari is going to um going to warner like got it when he's sprinting there or whatever you're driving super fast yeah like he has that he has that call and he's like you have two minutes and then (laughs) from his office to the valley wasn't familiar with the libertines um called campaign of hate by the way not uh, campaign of hate correct yeah yeah. i was familiar with uh tell me when to go by e40 (laughs) when ari walks back into his office he's all happy he thinks he convinced bob not to sign the deal are you happy, Ari, or is this madness that will turn on me in a moment's this notice? This is happiness, Lloyd. This is pure heterosexual male happiness. <laughs> so Bob was receptive. Bob was lucid. Bob was coherent. Bob was amiable. Bob could come to no other conclusion than to return this film to its rightful owner, Vincent Chase. Uh, I'm a Warriors season ticket holder, and E-40 sits uh, courtside, and uh, that song plays every single game, and they do a tight close-up on him, and he goes bananas every single time <laughs> oh my gosh that's absolutely hilarious 
in his dub nation gear and it's uh, you know you roll your eyes because i've now seen it a hundred times but uh yeah uh classic bay area staple and then a uh, stranglehold by ted nugent i love that moment i thought that was a great moment totally I, I mean we talked about it a lot on this podcast but you know ending on like a like an old rock song or like i guess they'd be considered classic rock songs now always kind of ends an entourage episode with you feeling good um and obviously, you know, Stat Venner, we give him a lot of credit as it is on this podcast, but uh, all the credit goes to him. Yeah, a thousand percent. And then I didn't realize this. I'm looking I'm looking at the music credits for the episode. Yep. Um, but I guess I didn't realize there's a Kings of Leon song in here. Yeah, it has to have been like that right when they were kind of because I remember they they got bid in like 2005. The song is Taper Jean Girl. It's when they're walking into Ari's office towards the end of the episode. That's awesome. I mean, that's a that's yeah. pretty that's pretty cool. A lot of like blues rock in this uh, yep. in this episode. That's kind of. I knew you'd like that. Yeah, that's why you have me on, right? <laughs> Definitely <laughs> gets to talk about uh, crunchy, crunchy psychedelic blues rock love. <laughs> Hey guys, JR here. I want to talk to you again about the Basic Collection from Highly Clutch T-Shirts. Their Basic Tees are butter soft and have a bespoke fit. They're pre-laundered so your tee doesn't shrink after the first wash, and they feature a classic side seam for added structure. Go to HighlyClutch.com and click on the Basics tab at the top of the page to shop the entire collection. They have three packs of tees, the blues, the black collection, the all-whites, and the bright three-pack. I'm partial to the blues and the all-white. So head to HighlyClutch.com and shop the Basics Collection. If you like tees as much as me, these are the tees for you. And now enjoy this week's episode of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, The Entourage Podcast. Every week I like to point out some maybe outdated references that are made. I mentioned earlier, Drama says, uh, Oh yeah, that business card was given to me during my Midnight Callers reoccurring. <laughs> Which, uh, are you familiar with that show? I, have, I like vaguely, I can like remember like this the sequence like the bumper sequence of it but i do not remember anything about it no <laughs> and this is the funniest part is that like you shouldn't have and neither of us because it ran from 1988 to 1991 so it's not like it was wow. in the pop culture subconscious when we were at any age to remember but uh i have to tell you the plot of the show it was a drama on nbc ran for i think three seasons and um it starred gary cole as jack tillian a former San Francisco police detective who has quit the force after he accidentally shot his partner to death in a confrontation with armed criminals. What? After lapsing into alcoholism, he receives an offer to become the Nighthawk, the host of an overnight talk show radio show, taking calls from listeners and acting as their detective, solving their problems during the day. What the actual fuck oh is the show? Oh, dude, this show is about legendary. It's about legendary late night talk radio talk show host uh, George Nori. It is. I think that's right. Oh yes. my gosh, I had no idea. So I've I've become like the weirdest like George Nori like fan in recent <laughs> years because fuck? he like he's like the guy that interviews people that are like that like came back from the dead or like, or sure. like, Oh, I was walking through New Mexico and then I had my first like UFO experience. <laughs> the guy that like space ghost coast to host was coast to coast was making, making fun of. Gotcha. Gotcha. I didn't realize this was like that midnight caller was his thing. And, and Gary Cole starred in it, AKA Andrew Klein from later on in the, uh, in the entourage series. Man, you know, total aside. And I know that we're, 
going not really we're getting out of entourage orbit here but like it sucks that there's not like a place to watch like just like bad tv like this truly just to like experience it like i want to see one midnight caller episode it interrupted but like on my tv i don't want to like watch it like on the yeah, I don't want to go to a library and get a bunch of tapes yeah, or exactly. something like that. Like, I think certain certain institutions are getting better at that. Yeah, Saturday Night Live is slowly digitizing all of their old skits, which is good to see. Like, it's done to get lost, which is sad. You know? I have this like reoccurring Twitter joke, which you know is really only just funny to myself. Where like I love calling out CBS for not making Nash Bridges publicly <laughs> publicly <laughs> available because it yeah. was a stacked. Like, you know, primetime Friday night TV show, crime TV show back in the day that went for like seven seasons and you can't watch it, a single episode of it online. And I think that's fine. Anywhere. <laughs> it's better than my reoccurring Twitter joke, which for two years was I would tweet every time The Departed was on TV and I'd <laughs> act like it was the first time I'd ever seen it. And I like turned it into a tweet thread and it, it was it was literally like 160 tweets and people amazing. were like please stop doing it. amazing <laughs> i'd be like oh man the departed's on i can't wait to, uh, just every time like it was that with shawshank but like going like yeah. like starting in 2009 like you'd be oh, God. at this point one more quick little outdated thing that i thought was interesting was ari's trying to give bob his car it's a bmw it's got an oat dash it's got a built-in iPod dock, <laughs> which is like high-quality living back in 2006. A built-in dock, not even an aux cord. My car, 750i BMW, 3,300 miles, built-in iPod dock, Oak Dash. It's beautiful. You own it or you lease it? I lease it, but I will continue to make the payments until it expires unless you expire first. The built-in dock in the BMW. It's so That was so funny to me. I two things on this like one um my, one of my first jobs ever out of like college was i would write uh, i wrote, worked for aol and wrote a bunch of like travel pr press releases um oh, yeah. to basically just put them in the aol travel section it was my first job in digital media and um it was so boring because every hotel press release is the exact same no matter what but in this era this is in 2008 um, it was hilarious because like every new hotel that opened was like, we have iPod docks in our room. Oh my God. <laughs> they were trying to sell, uh, like that was like the, a big, supposed to be a big draw. Like, Oh, you get this room. You, you got an iPod dock. In your room. <laughs> and it shows how non-modern some hotels are because I regularly stay in rooms and that same fucking iPod dot is sitting there on the nightstand. It's ridiculous. (laughs) No, the other thing in Entra that I noticed in this, in this episode as well too, um, is that, and maybe this was, maybe I just didn't see this in season three is that Ari's actually holding one of the early blackberries. Yeah. A lot. Like the blackberries with the big, thick, like antenna. Um, and I thought that was really interesting um, because that was like right around the time where um, they were popping. They were kind of starting to take off in what they were. And yeah, Ari, a thousand percent, would be the type of person that would have a BlackBerry. He'd have three on him at all times. Were you a BlackBerry guy? I was never. I was a BlackBerry guy at the very, very, very end. 
Um, and so I can say that I had the experience, but I didn't have it in college or anything like that. Uh, were you? I was a Blackberry Curve guy and like uh, my college girlfriend and I, we would, uh, it was called BBMing. Yes. Like it was like the Blackberry Messenger. It was a little bit quicker than text message. You could like turn on read receipts. You could send each other little bits of media. It was like the earliest iteration of like uh, uh, iMessage. And, which and what wasn't like your BBM, it was like an absurd like phone number almost type of thing, right? No, it just, it came built in with the curve. I mean, I'm talking when I had this, it was probably. Oh nine. So this is, you know, this is not an early iteration of the black bear. This is probably one of the more modern it's, ones. It was, I, I thought that was like so wild though, to see like Ari holding this like brick of a, Blackberry, yeah. which is now totally <laughs> dated in an It's basically an antique at this point. Well, let's talk about, you know, the datedness of this episode. So if this episode aired in 2019, same exact plot. How do you think it would be different, Brandon? I think that it would a thousand percent be focused on um I think it'd be focused on I think the whole like biopic thing for the Ramones movie is just goes to show you like that that was you know a very like that's a very small project in today's Hollywood environment, you know what I mean? yep um and the amount of like bickering and pettiness that's going on with like the head of fucking Warner Brothers <laughs> over a over a biopic for a a punk rock band that you know started on the fucking Bowery in New York. Yep. Like yep. the audience for that is so small compared to how all of modern like Hollywood is going to take this, you know. So um, I would say that I would say that that to me has always felt very weird about this season as a whole. In in retrospect, you put it in 2019. It's about it would be about like some sort of scripted, uh, some sort of scripted show on you know, HBO, Amazon, whatever, like a Jack or even a movie for one of those streaming sites. Exactly, a movie for one of those streaming sites. Like you know, the Ramones project is it just seems like such small fries in the grand scheme of things, especially after this dude just made like you know fucking Aquaman. <laughs> Yeah, fucking Aquaman, number one movie star in the world. No, I, I completely agree. Um, the studio system, the whole, you know, they're hemming and hawing over like a million dollar script purchase, right? Which this guy does every 30 minutes in his day. It, it, yeah, and it's like, and, and that to me is absolutely like, it's absurd. And I get it. Like, you know, Vince wants to establish himself for uh, awards and everything like that. But like in today's environment, like he can go make that movie. Um, it can get financed very easily by like, a, you know, Netflix or whatever, something like that. And like, he can go, you know, spend two months making that movie and then everybody moves on to the next yeah. thing. <laughs> and the way, yeah, the way like entertainment moves in 2019, you're absolutely right. It's not even a blip on the radar of Warner Brothers. Like, yeah, exactly. And like, it's and honestly, when you think about it from Terrence's perspective, like, and I know this kind of catches up to him down the road, but like it was kind of a fucking very, it like it goes to show you that he's like kind of a shitty businessman, to be honest. Oh, definitely. Like, definitely. Dude, you bought a script to put it in a drawer out of pettiness. Like, you're a publicly trading, like, that still is a line item on your PL. <laughs> <Like>, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, they're one of the three or four biggest, you know, entertainment studios in the world. And like, 
I'm sure this goes on. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> well, so that's a, that's a. I think that's a really important distinguisher, though. Like, they would have bought an. Like, it would have been smarter for him to buy an option where, yep. like, you know, he has an option for that script for to you know do it for the next year, and then when that option expires, like, you know, somebody either the. Uh, IP holder gets it back or somebody, you know, can, can buy it at that point yeah. time. Like when you're in charge, it just seems like dumb that when you're in charge of a company, you're basically like doing, you're making really big, de- like essentially a big multi-million dollar decision um, to not have any revenue eventually like contribute to the company at a whole. You know what I mean? Bad CEO, but really bad CEO move. <laughs> Well, and he's also like they've made him into like the bad guy. If Entourage should ever have <laughs> like a villain, <laughs> but uh, you know the, his his move is done intentionally by the creators to be like this guy's you know bad news, and we're gonna have to deal with him later on. Essentially, I think that that's interesting. And this is the first I've actually even thought of the whole option thing because like how everybody <laughs> like literally that's how Hollywood works. Like people sell options yeah. on their IP projects all day, thousands of times a day. <laughs> Not thousands of times a day, but yeah. <laughs> Exaggeration, but... <laughs> Quick little piece of trivia. Uh, in the credits, you see uh, In Memory of Bruno Kirby, 1949 to 2006. I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but he played the legendary animated film producer Phil Rubenstein uh, in Dies and Doll, which uh, I did earlier this season with Fraser Tharp. It was his last on-screen role because he passed away from leukemia a few months later, which was uh, right around the time of this episode airing. So he was meant to be a much bigger character later on in the show, and it, they had to hand the duties off to his son, Nicky Rubenstein. Really? What do you think they wanted to develop that into? So they always wanted to have some sort of like hot shot bid time producer who was a regularly reoccurring role. They tried that in season one with Scott yeah. Wick and he passed away. Oh. <laughs> the actor passed away. And then they tried it with Bruno Kirby and then he passed away. So they kind of, I think made a course correct and turned it into like, maybe not a well-established producer, but like a young, dumb, rich kid with money who just like wants to make a movie. And that's where they fit the Nitty Rubenstein character in, with the Medean plot. Um, I've realized in doing this rewatch, and again, this is a very academic <laughs> viewing of the show. Not many people think about it in this way, but uh, there are two areas of Hollywood that aren't very well represented. And the one where I just mentioned is the producing side, like the actual film production, yeah. and then the uh, the press side. I thought I always thought it'd be interesting to see someone like you know, someone who works at the Hollywood Reporter, someone who, like, just is always needing a quote from Vince or hounding Ari. Like, you kind of have that with Shauna, but I just would have liked to see that side of the business. Yes, a, a thousand percent. And I think that the Shauna side is really fascinating because I can speak to the actual press side of it. Like, dude, yeah. because, you know, movie movie junketing as, as in the experience of, like, working for an outlet and going to, like, report on... Well, oh, yeah. everything is like it's its whole scene yeah you did like seven minutes with the the star of the movie and it's like their 30th meeting in a row it right? is i think it's one of the most miserable things ever to be honest and i've done it um at least a dozen times over the years with bro bible because like we would get you know we get invited to everything on it like sure. when it comes to this stuff uh, but as a person and as a professional like 
I can only handle a certain amount uh, before I'm just like, yeah, I got to, this is going nowhere and it doesn't move the needle yeah. for, you know, myself or the business in any way. Yeah. No, I, I, I've been in and around those things, probably not as much as you have. And they just seem like miserable tattle calls and the celebrity is exhausted or the star or the, they, 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 they give, they give you tanned answers and they're the stars. Know. Like they contractually have to do it. You know, when they do something where it's on screen, where it's for TV, you know, they play into it. Like that's, I think they actually, like most entertainers and performers really enjoy that part. When Definitely. you're talking to somebody who's like literally just writing something, like they're just like trying to, they are trying to grit their teeth and get the fuck through it so they can move on yeah. <laughs> with their life. You know? Yeah. I always think it's funny. Uh, we're, we're going off topic, but. I think it's funny when you watch a NFL football game. At at some point during every game, the color commenter and the play by play guy are gonna go. I had a chance to talk to this guy yesterday, and let me tell you, here's what he said. And it's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't get a chance to talk to that guy. Somebody gave you a soundbite. You literally have a sheet in front of you with, with yes. <laughs> that a communications team from the from the team yep. prepared for you, and you are reading right off of that. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers did not sit down with you, Chris Collinsworth, and tell you about his game strategy going into this. Just, it's just very interesting. Until you work in it, people don't really realize in the world of professional communications how well, like, you know, you really don't, like, all that quotes, like, somebody may have said it, but, like, did they really say it? Who knows? Not that it's all bullshit, but it's all, like, extremely watered down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're way off topic. Let's get back to one of our favorite characters what was your favorite Johnny drama moment from this episode? There are a lot of them. In the very beginning was when he talks about his, he has that little one-liner about his egg Florentine. You're awfully quiet, Johnny. I think everyone should just take a moment, try my eggs Florentine, and take a deep breath. You think I should keep Ari even after this? Well, I'm not sure what you should do, bro. But I do know you don't make a decision this big on emotion, and you don't make it. So you know what's next. And then there's that one really, really little moment where he goes, uh, not for sale, honey. Hi, Vince. I'm Vanessa, Jean's assistant. I love the decor. Hi. And you must be Eric. How are you? Hi. I'm Turtle. Hi. How you doing? And you are? Not for sale, honey. Well, everyone's waiting for you guys down the conference room. If you gentlemen would like to follow me. We'll be out soon. Didn't even offer us a drink. That's a zero for service. Ah, but still, I give him a 10 for amenities if she let me service that ass. I'm not for sale. She kind of gives him a look like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, Definitely. And then I got to mention the last moment where he tells Vince when they're on the driveways, I don't do it. It's so fucking weird. This is going to be the last time we drive to Ari's. Yep. Don't do it. What? I think it's a mistake. You saw what all those cookie cutter guys were like today. They're all the same. An agent by nature is a lying, money-hungry cocksucker. That's the breed, and Ari is best in breed. How do we know that, drama? We've never been with anybody else. I have. I've had 15 different agents over the years, and only that few, because I'm a loyal guy. Yeah, it sounds like you don't want to get dropped from another agency when Vince moves on. Please, Turtle, if my pilot gets picked up, I can sign with anyone I want. And you know what? I'd stay with Ari, because we know where we stand with him. He was there from the beginning. <sighs> There's some honest, honest to God, older brother wisdom in that, which uh, I really yeah. liked. I feel like he, um, it, can can we can we can I say it? Can I say that Johnny Drama kind of wins the episode here? Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Let's give it to him. Like I think that Johnny Drama wins this episode, like hundred percent. Okay, 
Um, obviously, like you could say that like Vince and the whole squad wins because they flex against Ari, but like sure. drama is the is the one that um, you know is a constant force in my in my opinion. And what's interesting though is like from a plot perspective, everyone kind of loses. Vince and E lose their agent. Ari loses Vince. Dana Gordon loses her job. Everyone loses the Ramon script. But so, so you think Johnny Drama won it? Here, here's here's my weird entourage podcast host angle. I'm gonna make a taste for why Ari won. Okay, all right. <laughs> Didn't <laughs> maybe I'm then maybe I'm too close to the show. <laughs> I said this last week with Jacques. Um, I don't hate Ari's hustle at all in these last two episodes. Obviously, he does some things that are reprehensible. The phone call, we won't even mention it, but the Bob character deserved to be steamrolled a little bit. When I was 20, I was like, how did Ari do this to Bob? He's a legend. It's so disrespectful. But now that I'm in my 30s and I've had a little bit of experience with this type of stuff, I'm like, Bob was like a liability in those business meetings. He was literally like torpedoing these million dollar opportunities that Ari is there to provide or, or to drum up. Maybe Ari didn't handle it all perfectly, but him getting Bob out of the meeting and like getting uh, Paramount, I think it was, to agree to sign Vince, that's Ari doing his job. He did it. It just simply was this like, you know, extraneous thing where Bob went to Warner's that kind of got it all fucked up to me. Yeah. What do you think? I, okay. I see it. <laughs> I mean, I imagine Doug approached this episode, wanting, or the whole sequence with Bob. Wanting him to be a sympathetic character, but he just, you're right. He just is not because it's clumsy. He's clumsy. He gets in the way, um, everything like that. But I, you know, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I really feel that Ari, he's a, he was a straight up dick to every, like in every way possible to Bob in what was it? Two episodes ago. It was just last episode when they were going agency to agency. Yeah. Uh, or studio to studio, like he was such a dick to Bob. And I mean, yep. it was hard for me to not see past the inhumanness of that yeah. um, sure. to really feel like, you know, like it's kind of like Ari made his bed and had to lie in it. It's a lot less fun and I don't like it. Bob. I signed the papers, Ari. I don't know if I was right, but I signed the damn papers. I'm over this town. I'm sorry. Yeah, me too, Bob. Me too. And that I don't disagree with. Like, he did it to himself, but he also was just kind of doing his job in the way that he does it best so that's kind of more the angle i'm trying to take here or maybe i just hate old people maybe that's what it definitely, is. john you definitely hate old people. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just yeah don't respect martin landau no and obviously the show kind of moves on for it from here but like um you know i kind of there's there's still like a part of me that like is kind of like rooting for bob to a degree you know definitely. what i mean what should have happened was he should have stayed at home and Ari and E drum up a big check for him and they go, Hey Bob, we took care of you. Like as was kind of the original plan. And that's probably what would happen in today's yes, Hollywood. A thousand percent. And like he would get to, you know, I don't know, go to the premiere and like maybe say yep. his piece about like 
the script and production, and then everybody moves on. Sure. <laughs> exactly. So, was this an A-list episode, a B-list episode, or a D-list episode, Brandon? Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's a tough really one. Really tough one. I think it's a B plus. Okay. I think that like the best part of the episode is the bros, like the bros being bros stuff of the whole group together, yep. uh, flexing, if you will. I think that there's not a lot of like great situational comedy in it. Yeah, um, truly. And I think that like the best entourage episodes, the ones deserving of the A balance situational comedy with like pushing for forward the storylines yeah there wasn't a nice like c plot of like drama and turtle going off and getting into some high exactly exactly and i think that those are the like shows where i'm like okay that's the creme de la creme of entourage this actually reminded me a lot of uh the episode that you had me on (laughs) last time where i'm like oh cool it's another like chess chess piece is going to have to go <laughs> Listen, next season, you, I'll have you on for a fun one. Don't worry. I sense a little bit of resentment. <laughs> you have one where it's like someone's ripping a bog or something like that? Can I- sure, sure. You got it. There is, I think there's the drama supposed to do his medical marijuana card soon, so I'll have yeah, you on for yeah. that one. <laughs> Usually we end the episode by asking this question. I didn't actually did a chance to ask you this when you were on for the pilot episode of this podcast because the questions weren't fleshed out, but Brandon... In your real life entourage, which character are you closest to? Man, I have been dreading this question all day. <laughs> I genuinely have been dreading this question all day. Um, I'm an E. I hate to yeah. say it, but I'm an E. Like I'm an e, I'm a blend of E and Turtle. Like I think people, mm-hmm. you know, if when people meet me, they probably definitely are like, "You're a you're a turtle." Thousand percent. <laughs> because of my like dorky stoner demeanor and like the, like I related really hard with this. I'm not even really a sneakerhead, but like I related so hard with last week's episode with Turtle just because like I like that kind of stuff. Uh, it's like yeah. it's like not important, but like it feels important, you know, to you as a person. Yeah, it's, it's something. It's like a passionate. It's more than a hobby yeah, for Turtle. It's, it's a lifestyle. Like I can, I have all these things in my life that I can apply that to that I think are very much so Turtle personality traits. Um, but like f- from a like, um, you know, kind of like an insecure and managerial aspect. Like I see myself as like a little bit of an E where, you know, I'm kind of like protective and like, you know, I have where I put my guards up and everything like that. So I, I definitely straddle between there. Well, and to your credit, I mean, you're also a very savvy businessman, so I will give that to you as well. So you might have a little Ari in you as well, if Ari can be (laughs) one of the entourage guys. So I think I I would love to know how many people, you, you know, have careers in the entertainment business right now um because of ari Um, and i know that they are out there i've met people i just like they're not close enough um, they're not close enough friends that i feel like broaching that topic with you know what i mean Yeah, maybe I'd love to get an actual Hollywood agent on the pod to to ask them. And if we did a younger guy, I'm sure there's going to be at least something where they go, "Oh yeah, I know what you're yeah, talking about." Exactly. <laughs> like I, we had this, uh, and I, I feel fine, you know, talking about this on the pod. We had this intern um, at Bro Bible way back in the day, like 2010, um, who, you know, when he graduated from college, he moved to LA, 
And like he did the whole like work in the mailroom at WM thing and like climbed the ladder. And now he manages a um, esports star. Oh, wow. Um, cool. And that's kind of his whole thing. But like, I wouldn't be surprised if he was somebody who like watched Entourage and was like, that's that's the path for me you know well if the intern for bro bible you know 10 years ago when the show was in its heyday like, like, I'm right sure. at the end of entourage too brandon this has been a lot of fun always is man you're killing it thank you dan for joining appreciate it we'll definitely have you back i'll try to have you back on for a more fun episode not as much of a chess uh piece one where can the listeners follow you uh my my twitter is where i'm the most active it's just my my name brandon leonard w-e-n-e-r-d and uh check out brobible.com that's the that's 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 what we do presented by bro bible thanks to bro bible thanks to brandon and uh i'll talk to you soon man thanks to den awesome thanks yeah <laughs>